AppTensive are the experts in mobile customer experience and in-app communication. So to check out whether your app is loved and get more love for it, go to apptentive.com forward slash appguy. That's apptentive.com forward slash appguy. And thank you to AppTentive for supporting this show. GummyCube can help you optimize your content, optimize your reviews and ratings, help you find higher ranking keywords and increase your organic downloads. To go and discover more, go to www.gummycube.com. That's G-U-M-M-I-C-U-B-E, gummycube.com. And thank you to GummyCube for sponsoring this episode. Hi, this is Fei Fan Wang and Alex Kim. We're the creators of Core 15 and you're listening to the App Guy podcast. The App Guy podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I'm your host, it's Paul Kemp. And this is the show where we do go around the world. In our previous episode, we were in the UK. Now we are in California, pretty much close to the uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, I've got a great guest who's uh, going to talk to us through his journey of uh, uh, apps. Uh, in fact, let me tell you about this app. It's called uh, Shoto. Shoto. You can find out if you go to shoto.com. He is the co-founder, chief wizard, and he's going to talk to us and help us uh, understand what he's learned from the whole experience. Uh, his name is Shashin Dugal. So, uh, Shashin, good. welcome to the App Guide podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, tell us then, where did you get... So, well, for, first of all, what is Shoto? Uh, tell, tell the audience what it is. Sure. So, um, so Shoto is an app that lets you get the photos that your friends and family have um, from all those in-between moments you've shared together, whether it's a dinner party, uh, a quick weekend trip. Um, we're often left wanting um, the pictures that our friends and family have. And no matter how many sharing platforms exist, we still don't get to see them. So as opposed to building another photo sharing app, um, we've kind of switched, switched the process on its head and said it's a photo getting app. And the idea is that um, you can request photos um, from your friends and family. We tell you how many they have and who has them. Um, and then they, all the photos pool together into one album. This, this is great. So we love on this show, all these episodes, we learn that the most successful things are solving real problems, the most successful apps solve a problem. And what, what I'm guessing is the problem of just having events, having families together and just getting everybody's photos in one place. Uh, Apple haven't solved this. Is that what you're trying to go after? The, yeah, I mean, the, look, I think if you, if you think about the size of the problem, we, we take almost a trillion pictures on a phone. And, um, you know, and it was just... Uh, and that's just my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, um, the issue has always been that when you think about what we do with Facebook and Instagram, the reason we're sharing is we're kind of almost exhibiting our life to a slightly semi-public audience. So it's beautifully curated. It's, um, you know, the one or two pictures we want to show. It's usually a hero image because it's showing us in the best light. Um, and then on the other end of the stick, you've got all the moments that we've got, you know, the silly moments together, the, the quick dinner, the, the birthday party, the, the trip. And we don't want all those pictures to be online because it's just noise. But for the people who are there, it's not noise. You know, um, and, um, and if we can tell people that, hey, you know, last night um, your friend Sachin uh, has 30 photos, um, it's going to create anxiety and you're going to say, no, I definitely want to see them. 
Uh, and that's a very different problem to me hunting you down and saying, send me your photos, send me your photos, send me your photos. Because I'm never going to get you to do it. There's, there's no latent motivation. Yes, absolutely. So the, t- talk us through the process then of actually how uh, that, that is going to happen. Uh, you've been, in terms of that situation, that scenario, we've just all sat around the table. Uh, we've taken a load of funny photos of our food. Uh, it's the following day. How do we get them? So the following day, you know, the app will notify you or you'll go into the app and, um, and, and, and the following happens. Number one, those pictures have automatically been grouped. Um, so they're now um, sitting in a really organized album. All the pictures from last night are in one folder, uh, uh, one gallery, sorry, on your phone. Um, and then you'll see this thing which says your friends, um, Paul and um, Pooja, have 30 photos from last night. And the reason it's able to do that is uh, it groups your photos into a meaningful album and then it uses your phone book and Facebook to see who else has pictures as long as they've got the app installed. And they could install the app a month later uh, after the moment. It makes no difference when they install it. Um, We use a lot of the location data inside the image and the date and time to group them. And so now you're you're seeing this album, uh, you know know it's from last night, uh, you know you were there, and you're you're being told that your friends have 30 pictures and a big request button. And at that point, you just tap request, uh, and a request goes out to your friend saying, um, Sachin really wants the pictures from last night. Uh, when, they, when they say, sure, uh, he can have them, they can, they can quickly choose the ones they don't want to share. So we only show them the 30 pictures, and they can say, not this one, not this one. And, uh, and then all the photos pool together. And, and the trick is that when you are making your request, we're also getting you to share the pictures. So your request is not complete until you also share. Which means that everyone else also gets to see something and hopefully gets more incentivized. Absolutely terrific. And uh, if, you're, you know, if you stand any chance of getting all those boring family photos off of Facebook and uh, Instagram and, and more into the private hands of the people that actually care, uh, that the, were there at the event. What a, a terrific um, uh, problem. How did you uh, come up with the idea, Sashin? What was the inspiration so, uh, for it's it? It's actually quite funny. Um, uh, we sold our last business in 2012. We were one of the first people in the cloud uh, and we were building it for nine years. And then um, I ended up on a road trip to Yosemite uh, with some of my friends, 14 of us actually. And everybody said as we started this trip, no photos on Facebook. Um, and so we're like, okay. Um, and... Um, we, we took pictures, and between 14 of us, we must have taken about maybe 15,000 photos or 10,000 photos, I would say, more likely, uh, over that long weekend of four days. And as we got towards the end of the trip, um, people kept saying, oh, you know, you took that shot, I really want to see it. And, and the importance here is a lot of the times we weren't listening to what the user was actually saying. The users, in this case, were saying, I want to see the pictures. And so one person sent a Dropbox link a week later. No one really opened it. We never got to see the pictures. And, and um, kind of in that last date, it was almost like a eureka moment. And it went on for the next two weeks where I was like, well, <laughs> I don't understand. How, how hard can it be to, to just share this? Um, and two years later, we realized the problem really wasn't sharing. Uh, and obviously, the sharing process itself was broken and it was too cumbersome. But the real problem was that, um, you know, there's this, there's this equation that a professor at Stanford taught me called, um, his name is BJ Fogg. And, he says behaviors come together when three things happen, motivation, ability, and a trigger. Uh, 
And motivation cannot be created. It's got to be latent. And so um, there's no motivation. You don't wake up in the morning and say, today I'm going to share my private photos with three people. There's no excitement in that. There's no dopamine. But um, you know, the thing is, everyone else still wants to see the pictures you have. And so the question is, how can you align motivations of the group together? And really, uh, our belief is that the only way you can is by switching it from sharing to getting and just making sharing almost like a blind process. I, I love that. And uh, the, so, so the fact is that the, the idea was born off of a road trip with a bunch yes. of friends. And uh, it just shows you that everyone listening now, whatever you're doing in life, you can have that eureka moment, which uh, totally transforms your direction of where you're going. Uh, we always have to be thinking about real world problems to solve. Uh, but but uh, so most people would have that idea and it would then fade. You did something different. You actually uh, ended up uh, building a company and an app around it. How did you get the thing started? Um, you know, getting a, the whole process off the ground. So, look, I think, I think the most important thing is that it's one thing is about having an idea, one thing is about having an idea at the right time, and then the third is about having an idea at the right time and then being able to also um, kind of um, muster your energy behind it. And so uh, we just come off an exit. Um, so we had, we had some change. Um, and decided that probably, you know, this, this is something that's, that's a big enough problem. It affects enough people. Um, I think that the one thing that I didn't realize was just how difficult it is. Um, and, you know, building a consumer product is hard in itself just because there is so much, uh, there's so much jadedness in the market that people, you know, oh, it's another app. And especially if you're in photo sharing and you're in California, it's like, oh my God, it's another photo sharing app. Um, <laughs> but you know, the, the thing is, whilst all those um, you know, very uh, almost rhetoric statements are made, the, the underlying problem was still not solved. And so it just meant the journey was a lot harder because um, access to capital, access to team, you know, you, you had to be much better at selling the problem out and, and potentially devising a, a credible solution. Uh, and I think that also just means that you're, you're onto something, which is it is nothing comes easy. Uh, and so kind of once we got the idea together, um, I actually moved back to London for three months after the exit. Uh, and so I, I kind of packed my bags again, went back to San Francisco, um, and we started putting a team together. Um, initially, we funded it ourselves, uh, and then we raised uh, a small external round for a seed because we felt it was a good idea to get some external external people in. It'll help us with validation, and, and you know, it means we're not drinking our own Kool-Aid the whole way through. Uh, and um, I, I think the most important takeaway for me is that, you know, a lot of the times we build an idea and the idea is a project. And when we get bored of it or when we've had, you know, a couple of failures or setbacks, we're kind of ready to write it off. Um, and, you know, one thing I learned when I was at Deutsche Bank is that there's a difference between realized loss and unrealized loss. Um, and, uh, and the other thing I learned from our last startup is that it's, it's the moment at which you think where everything's going to fall apart that it suddenly comes together. Uh, and so um, I think that the moral of the story is you've, you've just got to keep persevering. So, so you mentioned Deutsche there, and uh, my background is I came from institutional asset management into technology uh, because I loved it. So, so much more interesting uh, working in the tech field for me personally. Uh, you did you at some point then have to give up a career to pursue a startup? So I um I joined Deutsche Bank when I was seventeen, 
Um, I was one of the youngest on the trading floor, uh, and and I was building robots that traded uh, foreign exchange. And um, literally the day I graduated, I left the bank. So I had five years there. I spent a year in the middle, a year before, uh, and so I had five years at the bank, um, which is great. And I and I met a lot of um, amazing people and kind of looked at scale in a very different way. But my heart really wasn't in it after five years. And, and I just don't believe you should be spending your life doing something that maybe you don't really enjoy as much. Um, and for some people, it's perfect. And, you know, I think from an economics perspective, it's um, definitely something that's very hard to digest when you're moving out because, um, you know, banking has a, has a brand around well-paid, uh, well-paid jobs. But I also feel that... Um, you know, we're, we're all destined for different things and we want to do different things. And for me, it was I wanted to change the world. And I knew I wasn't going to do that sitting behind a trading floor or it would be a lot harder for me to do that. I have to say, I mean, there's going to be people listening to this now who are totally resonating with what you're saying. It is, but the thing is, you know, you've had this amazing career. You're on the trading floor, Deutsche Bank. And how did you overcome the fear of, potentially giving that up to, I guess, start the cloud business, which then at that point in time was probably uh, like wildly risky. <laughs> so to talk us through your kind of, like how, how you overcame the fear, because a lot of people must have been saying at the time, what are you doing? <laughs> so look, I think um, when we started the cloud, it wasn't even called the cloud. I mean, at that point, we used to call it grid computing. So it was like the Wild West. Um, and uh, my mother was most unhappy that you know I was giving up this, extremely well-paid job um, and going to go build my own thing. Um, but, you know, prior to that, I'd, I'd built a PC business, um, a small one, and then got into software. So it wasn't like I was going in with no experience of having run, managed people, hired people, even at a small scale. Um, and I think the... Uh, I never really got frightened by it to a certain extent. Uh, maybe it's... I, I have... I have blinkers on when it comes to risk. Um, I don't really look at it as a risk. I just feel it's like you've just got to get it done and therefore you've got to get it done. I, I think um, just, and I think partly that it's because it's been such an integral part of just how, yeah, maybe I was brought up, but also how I've just lived my life since my, my later years in school. Risk has just not been something when it comes to business or economics that uh, I maybe either t- truly appreciate or... Um, that I get affected by is probably the, the more apt word. Uh, and, and I think, you know, a part of it is that um, if you're going to be, if you're going to leave and you're going to have sleepless nights just thinking about the fact you're leaving, don't leave. Um, if you're the kind of person, and, and to be an entrepreneur is just a difficult job. Uh, so it's, it's A, very lonely, and B, uh, stupidly difficult, because most of the time you're wrong and you're having to explain give the impression you know what you're talking about when you may not. Right, um, okay. And you're, you're always selling. You know, you're, whether you're selling to hire, whether you're selling to get someone's money, whether you're selling to get your first users, you're always selling. And so you're always out of your comfort zone. And so if the, just the very idea of even getting out of your comfort zone is a problem, um, just don't do it because you're going you're gonna to be miserable. And I've seen a lot of people who've been very smart or they look at it from the economics perspective and they're like, oh, I'd love to do this. But you know, you don't you don't go into being an entrepreneur just because you think you can make a lot of money. You go into it because um, it, a you're you're just set up to deal with risk in a very different way. The way you're wired, you know, the chemicals in your brain, 
um, but also you're you're very happy being uncomfortable. Sashin, I have to say, I, I absolutely love this conversation, and I, you know, after all these episodes, it just reminds me why I do this, what I do, because I want to meet people like you uh, that uh, almost have had, you know, th- those. Um, decisions to make <laughs> do do you go for the uh, money in the city and the, you know especially um uh, big banks and um, financial institutions or do you go and do something you follow your heart and uh, uh you know looking back on all these years would you say to, it's worth it oh look i'm uh, i would say from every realm i made the right decision and i made the right decision because you know um i uh, i started from a small um middle-class family in North London. I went to a boys' school. Uh, and, you know, when I was 12, uh, people in my school didn't know me, let alone anywhere else in the world. Um, and we've gone from that to being a world economic technology pioneer. It's our second business. We have a couple of others. Um, we have a decent amount of revenue in our cash-generating businesses. So we're, we're diversified in our investment. Um, and, you know, tomorrow I could decide, my wife and I could decide that don't want to be in San Francisco, want to go spend three months in Tokyo. And it would just be a matter of a few phone calls and a discussion and we're off. Uh, And I think that freedom to be able to do what you want, um, because ultimately the difference between, you know, a city job, for example, and doing your own thing is in a city job, you're working from 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then the rest of your day is either recovery or your life or, or however you spend your time. As an entrepreneur, you're working all the time. If you're not working, you're thinking. If you're not thinking, you're de-risking. Um, you know, whatever you do, your a part of your mind is functioned on it. But the beauty with that is that it's just interweaved into your life. And as long as you're able to strike a healthy balance, it means you also have the freedom to be anywhere. Um, you know, yesterday uh, I said, "Oh, you know, I really want to. Um, I just want to go home. I need to finish this thing off." And I was in the office and I said, I really can't function here right now. I came home, worked at home, finished what I needed to do. Um, and it's done. And you know, next week, um, we may be in San Francisco, we may not be. We'll decide you know, in the morning if need be. You can't do that <laughs> if, you're, if you're elsewhere. And, and look, and I don't think all entrepreneurs can do that either because it depends on the stage of where your business is. I think there's a lot of compromise in the beginning. Uh, and the only thing that I'd say is that the more you compromise in the beginning and the quicker you get to an even keel, Uh, then, you know, the opportunities at your end. Let's take a quick break to thank the sponsors. Apptentive will give you the ability to communicate very effectively with your users. They have uh, a a dashboard uh, insight where you can see lots of different uh, ways on how your customers are using your app, who they are, uh, what they care about, and then you get a chance to talk to them. And uh, Apptentive will encourage you through the dashboard to think about ways to communicate with them. It really makes your journey as an app entrepreneur way more effective by using uh, Apptentive's uh, dashboard. So uh, to get a free mobile app consultation, go to apptentive.com forward slash appguy. That is apptentive.com forward slash appguy. It's free to sign up and they will be able to give you uh, a free mobile app consultation. Thank you so much to Apptentive for being so supportive. App Store optimization is one of the best user acquisition channels that you can get. GummyCube offer full App Store optimization service. They can help you focus on search ranking within the App Store to help you gain quality users at a cost-effective price. 
Uh, one of the important things about App Store optimization is your app title. It tells your users about your app. In fact, if you think about it, as users are scrolling through all the different apps, uh, your title is the most important piece of App Store optimization. It can tell your user what your app does and you only get 255 characters to actually create your app title. You have to use the space provided in a very clear way and this is where Gummy Cube can help you with your app title and in fact all the other factors that are around App Store optimization. Uh, why not go and check them out? Go to www.gummycube.com that's G-U-M-M-I-C-U-B-E.com gummycube.com and start optimizing your app today. Thank you so much to Gummy Cube for continuing to support the show. Let's return to the interview. And I love that emphasis of freedom as well. So there is one more thing we like to do before we say goodbye. And this is a show about apps. Uh, so we love talking about apps. And uh, I wondered if you had uh, like one or two recommendations for an app that you tend to use in your business or your personal life that you could recommend that could be like uh, ones that we may not have heard before. Sure. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure you've heard the first one. We use Slack everywhere. Um, just because it's just such an easy way for teams to communicate. The other one that we've started using now that I really like, it's not so much an app, but it's a, it's a web experience. It's called Real-Time Board. Um, you know, a lot of the times in young companies or when you're an entrepreneur, you need a whiteboard. Um, but if you're working ever with a distributed team or um, you don't have enough whiteboards, you don't want to keep rubbing it off and taking pictures, um, this, uh, this is awesome. It just creates a digital whiteboard. You can put digital post-its on it. And you can draw on it and everything else, and it's just an incredible user experience. Um, so those two, and then uh, I guess the third one I use a lot is Zero. Uh, sorry, not Zero. Um, uh, Evernote. Uh, I was just about to say, right? Anyone who wants to uh, take an investment or learn something from this show, uh, they the first one hundred and fifty odd episodes, it was all Evernote. Evernote was the big. Uh, app that everyone mentioned. I, mean, I almost had to say, "What app would you recommend?" But not Evernote. And, yeah. and in the last, the last twenty or thirty episodes, probably fifty, uh, it's all been Slack. And yeah. so Slack is the new uh, Evernote. Which, what does that tell you? Um, you know, maybe uh, Evernote needs to jump in and, and grab it. <laughs> I don't know, but uh, well, I mean, Evernote is going through its own set of issues. I think as it's as it's trying to transition in, into its next being. Uh, but Slack's just, you know, it's it's so funny. You often have to don't you don't often have to reinvent the wheel. Slack is just the days of when I first came onto the internet, and it was IRC chat, how you got movies and everything else. And that that IRC chat is back. It's just it's back with a more friendly UI. Yeah, it just shows you great. Well, wonderful. Thanks so much. I mean, all the uh, show notes to you, linking to you and um, to Shoto, will be at theappguy.co episode awesome. 379 so just go and search for that if you're listening uh, to this and you want to make sure that you get those uh, in the meantime Sashin how best can people get in touch with you how what's the best way of connecting best thing to do is get me on Twitter and then usually from that um, we can work out whether it's a phone call whether I can just point you to a link or uh, or an email to schedule something unfortunately if it all comes in on email then it's it gets it gets merged into everything else that's just day to day uh, and it, it might get missed. Wonderful. Thank you so much for and coming on. And my Twitter is at oh, Sachin Dougal. Uh, uh, yeah, at Sachin Dougal. Great. Okay. Well, I also will make sure that as well is um, uh, on the show notes. Great. What I love this podcast. I love meeting people like you, Sachin. Thank you so much for coming on uh, the show, talking about your journey. And uh, all the best for um, Thank you so much for having me on the call. 
And now you've finished listening to this episode, please remember to go to apptentive.com forward slash app guy and uh, go and get a, a free demo of their platform that will help you communicate, that will help you get more ratings, uh, that will help you provide surveys to your users, your customers. Go to apptentive.com forward slash app guy, all lowercase, and you will be pleased that you did. Thank you so much to Apptentive for continuing to support this show. Thanks to GummyCube for supporting the show. GummyCube are a wonderful app store optimization service. The co-founder has been on the show before, Dave Bell. Uh, you may want to go and check out his past episode 218, where he talks about app store optimization and app discovery. It's a great episode. Go and check it out. And also go and check out www.gummycube, his company, gummycube.com. Thank you so much for supporting the show. So just a few announcements before I end the show. Uh, firstly, I did go to Apps World uh, recently. Uh, that was in central London, and it was a terrific turnout. Uh, firstly, thank you to Fernando Ballester from Yeeply. Uh, he uh, was uh, great to meet, and uh, it sounds like we might be able to do something together, which uh, I'm really excited about. Uh, Kevin Anthony, who did a long drive to turn up and uh, meet me there as well. Uh, terrific to meet Kevin in person. Kevin's someone I've been uh, chatting with now for some time. He's about to launch an app, and we recorded a quick interview, so hopefully I'll get that onto a future episode. And uh, also, I managed to uh, secure an interview with uh, Ryan Johnson. That's going to be coming up in the future. He is the VP of mobile at BuzzFeed. And uh, he's going to talk about the launch of uh, their latest app and the phenomenon in uh, viral sharing that's uh, messaging apps. Uh, but also, uh, he did talk, uh, I'd love to like go into more detail, about the uh, viral post uh, with the gold and white or blue and black dress. Do you remember that dress that you saw recently uh, that went viral? Well, uh, they, I think it had something like 50 odd million uh, views of that post and, and he had all these wonderful graphs uh, showing uh, the extent of the virality of that. So really interesting. And I think I've got uh, a number of other uh, interviews as well. Uh, I did chat with uh, someone from uh, Viber and uh, also someone from Ford uh, with regards to connected cars. And so I'm hoping to like secure some really interesting chats uh, for the podcast uh, going forward. And uh, that, that's it. That was a, it's a great. Oh, also, how can I forget? Uh, I did go out to dinner with uh, Ailet Noff, uh, who is uh, with uh, Blonde Duo. And uh, she had such great uh, company, some wonderful clients and journalists. And uh, just uh, really wanted to thank uh, Ailet for a, a wonderful night. And uh, it was great because I met with people like uh, Alan Fells, who is the co founder and CEO of YoYo Wallet. James Cook, the te technology editor at Business Insider, uh, Chris Coper Smith, who's the co founder and CEO of Spring Loaded, um, Ollie Franklin Wallace, who's uh, the uh, cultural editor or editor edits cultural stories at uh, Wired UK, uh, Ben Rooney, who's a terrific um, journalist. Uh, he was previously a technology editor at the Wall Street Journal and uh, is currently now at uh, Informilo and uh, also a BBC journalist, uh, Anes Adequadi, and um, a, a guy, uh, Dion, I think his name is, uh, from Weebly, who I really connected with, uh, and, and Matt from Applause. Uh, so wonderful, um, loads of people that, that I met. It was great to uh, get to know all those uh, 
wonderful uh, people and it was just a great night so uh, um, terrific stories so yeah I'm hoping to get some of the those uh, onto the show going forward uh, they'll be great guests uh, anyway that's it that's my announcements uh, remember do go and check out uh, and get in touch with me at theappguy.co or on twitter paul underscore s underscore chem thanks very much for listening to this episode i look forward to getting another episode out shortly